Hello Team NXT, CD, Danny Mac here bringing you episode 75 of the Undisputed Future Podcast, Talking Takeover. We are two weeks removed from Takeover War Games 2, and we have some aftermath to discuss as well. It has been quite a few days since I stepped behind the microphone and reached out to you guys, so thank you for listening to me once again, and a special thanks to Mr. Warren Hayes for doing the TakeOver War Games prediction show with me, hosting me on his YouTube channel, and introducing me to the world of a live streaming show. It was an incredibly fun experience. You could still find it up on YouTube. It is uploaded, and the SoundCloud and RSS feed has it hosted as well if you want to go back and uh, listen to a few of my predictions, which I was more than happy came through, although a lot of them... uh, Well, one in particular did decide to upset me by making sure I was correct, and that would be the Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler 2 out of 3 falls match, which to many people thought would be the first match of NXT TakeOver War Games 2, but oh no, we were surprised by the King of Bros, Matt Riddle, making an impact in Los Angeles, a West Coast boy, able to make his mark on a TakeOver, or should I say take. Brover. No, I don't think anybody should say take Brover. But anyway, Matt Riddle making quite the impression, calling Cassius Ono out a bit sooner than a lot of us expected to, at least from the NXT television side of things. As many of you know, I am a TakeOver veteran a bit myself. You got to expect going to a TakeOver event that the pre-show that you get to see live will be the post-show once the takeover that you are at airs. Now, for people sitting there in LA, maybe caught off guard by the fact that Nikki Cross and Candice LeRae went on and Lars Sullivan crushes Keto Murray and Fidel Bravo versus Keith Lee, you guys got three matches, which is pretty uncommon. Usually, it's just two really long length of matches, but we would learn that these Keith Lee and Lars Sullivan matches, respectively, would set up a future match, which I will talk about at the end of this TakeOver and slight aftermath review. Fidel Bravo versus Keith Lee and Lars Sullivan was pretty much business as usual here, guys. Fidel having, despite sporting quite the bit of facial hair, his beard game was strong, but it was not as strong as the limitless one Keith Lee. Lars Sullivan crushing Keto Murray and would be interrupted in a post-match assault by the limitless Keith Lee, which would set up this match to begin with. Now, between that week's edition of NXT and post my TakeOver review, which, don't worry guys, I'm getting back to, I'm getting a little sidetracked here, it's been a pretty chaotic week and, uh, Expect a little bit of rambling because I'm just so excited to step back and talk to you guys about NXT once again. Nikki Cross versus Candice LeRae. It's a match I want to talk about a little bit more in depth, but I'm going to get these pre-show, post-show matches out of the way. Keith Lee, Lars Sullivan win, and they lock up on this most recent edition of NXT television. Now let's back... Now let's backtrack to Riddle versus Ono. Cassius Ono called out by the King of Bros. That was kind of like a stand-up act. Hit you with a little bit of misdirection. Hop back right where I need to be. Cassius Ono accepting this call-out. Talking a whole lot of smack by the knockout artist. Unfortunately, in a unfamiliar position for Cassius Ono. 
on the other side of a knockout with a devastating knee. Do not forget Matt Riddle's UFC and mixed martial arts experience. Oh no. Oh no. That's really the only way I could describe that situation there. A humiliating takeover match once again for the knockout artist. Cassius Ono's takeover record. It's not a pretty sight here, ladies and gentlemen. And having a uh, having a short, abrupt match like that, I don't know. Not a... Uh, not the best, not the best mark to have on your resume here, but an intriguing start to this Cassius Ono and Matt Riddle rivalry. I have a strange feeling that this will not be their only takeover takeover matchup. I think these two guys are going to meet again, at least on that little bit of aftermath takeover period between this Survivor Series weekend and the upcoming Royal Rumble weekend. I think that a meaningful match between these two might take place between those two periods. But a successful takeover debut, unexpected and quick debut, or debut, as he so elegantly puts it, debut successful for Matt Riddle. Let's jump into some matches that had a little bit more time behind them and going back to it. Shayna Baszler, Kyrie Sane, two out of three falls for the NXT Women's Championship. A great start to this match. Showing the aggression on both sides. Unexpected. Well, unsurprisingly rather. By Shayna. And uh, if you've been paying attention to the developing Kyrie Sane as of late. The woman can go when the Pirate Princess is pushed to her absolute limits. Pirates may be done up to be a little bit more child friendly nowadays. But you go back into the more. I know this is probably a cancelled show. Deadliest Warrior references side of the pirates, and uh, you blunderbust believe there's way more deadly and violent sides of uh, than what we've seen out of respectable Johnny Depp movies. Anyway, an unexpected interference coming earlier in this matchup than first thought. Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke making their mark known for their fellow horsewomen of the MMA world. Shayna Baszler. Shayna's back up here coming a lot sooner than a lot of people anticipated. I'm sure I was not the only one who anticipated these ladies getting involved. I just thought, man, it's it's really quick. But a two out of three falls matchup. They wanted to secure the advantage going towards Shayna's side of the field. And uh, as much as Kyrie was able to overcome in this interference, it would cause the first fall. The interference would come for and bite Kyrie Sane and the Kirafuda clutch tapping out Kyrie Sane to start off this matchup. Really smart by Kyrie, I guess, tapping out and preserving herself, a point that I feel should be made during two out of three falls matchup. Sometimes you gotta give away and hope for the two win sweep and uh that's unfortunately not what happened to Kyrie, but Kyrie able to come back with a successful second fall and able to fly to success and the second fall. Kyrie with a devastating, insane elbow, as well as support of her own right coming in this matchup. Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. Io Shirai and Kyrie's relationship pretty well documented in the internet world of professional wrestling, but it's a nice development to see take place here on NXT as well. And Dakota Kai 
we all know of her bad blood and a long feud finally boiling over when it comes to Shayna Baszler. Dakota Kai not taking any crap when it comes to Shayna Baszler and the Queen of Spades, Nefarious Means. Nefarious Means, not just a popular phrase in that YouTube show here, guys. I'm going to be bringing that up quite a bit here. Kyrie able to fly towards success with her backup intact, but unfortunately not coming through all the way. Shayna Baszler able to, and I mentioned this on my prediction, by hook or by crook, and the crook form coming in a crucifix reversal pin, and Shayna Baszler winning that matchup in an unexpected pinfall, just like Kyrie Sane was able to capture the women's championship from her that first time around. But Shayna Baszler able to secure that her second reign with that NXT Women's Championship would continue. No surprise and certainly no lack of effort by Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. But, but, Kyrie's got backup now. And I'm going to go back to these three ladies in just a little bit. There's backup now. The numbers game is even. We have kind of an even playing field. But you can't underestimate the devastation that Kyrie Sane, Io Shirai, and Dakota Kai are able to bring. But they are up against a tough challenge in the three horsewomen of mixed martial arts. I like Dakota Kai and Io Shirai getting introduced to a more aggressive side as well. Kyrie Sane needed it in the Shayna Baszler feud. And Io and Dakota are also going to benefit from this little bit of edge added to their respective characters especially with Io Shirai presumably taking on such a big role in the NXT Women's Division and Dakota Kai being such a staple in the NXT UK Division. They really have to introduce these two women on a strong front and this three-on-three rivalry. They want all three. I really have a feeling that they're going to get all three in just a short period of time. Moving on to a takeover match that was my most anticipated bringing on two of my NXT favorites, a split crowd, a split feeling in my gut, and a split heart by the end of this one. I'm, of course, talking about Aleister Black versus Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano getting revealed to be Aleister Black's attacker, adding another aggression side of a babyface, going, just kind of keeping this common theme continued here. Johnny Gargano, an unexpected aggression, but the man never denied... Never denied it. Never denied attacking Aleister Black. And just look into his eyes and you knew the answer. Whatever symbiote, whatever evil spirits seem to be possessing Johnny Gargano. And uh, it delivered. It really delivered. Two of my favorites in a disrespectful but fast-paced startup by Johnny Gargano. Gargano brought it. Gargano brought it. Johnny takeover striking again. Unbelievable match. Really, really strike heavy. Lots of stick and move. Lots of really Johnny Wrestling looking to emphasize that nickname in this one. Really picking apart Aleister Black. Aleister Black on the other side of submissions is not something a lot of us are used to, especially that Gargano escape locked in for the time period that it was. But the pent over aggression from Aleister Black would eventually boil over. Aleister Black, not forgetting and not letting Johnny Gargano go without absolute absolution 
of his sins. Johnny Gargano took an ass whooping in this matchup as much as he was able to pull one over the larger and better striker opponent in Aleister Black. Johnny claims to be the hero in this story. He claimed in this match, you are not the chosen one, I am, and we all have to make that assumption here, folks, that of course he's talking about the chosen one to take Tommaso Ciampa's NXT title away from him. But there's the irony in that statement, that this chosen one role that Johnny Gargano is speaking of in this matchup would not be necessary without Johnny Gargano's own input. Johnny Gargano is the reason that his former DIY brother turned bad blood rival in Tommaso Ciampa is champion in the first place. The Tommaso Ciampa moniker and the title of Goldie given by Ciampa to that title all stems from Johnny Gargano's initial interference in Aleister Black defending what was his NXT championship. So it's a bit of irony that Johnny Gargano would see himself as any sort of hero in this side of things, don't you think? Back and forth, at some points over the top, but really incredible stuff with a great ending. It took two black masses, at least that's the way Johnny wants to see it, but Johnny was absolutely, I guess, absolutely absolved of his sins and probably a bit of a broken jaw in this process. Because those kicks, some of you out there may know or have been paying attention long enough to know that I am a bit of a martial artist myself, second down black belt in uh, Tang Sudo Karate. Boy, two spinning wheel kicks to your face is going to take quite the beat down on you. But it's what Aleister Black deemed necessary. This injustice as he sees it by Johnny Gargano and costing him that time period that he could be chasing what was his NXT championship. It couldn't go forgotten. It couldn't go unabsolved. Two black masses to Johnny Gargano's face. Can't think of any better way to really mark that home. Aleister Black successful. Johnny Gargano. Johnny Takeover. Just kind of business as usual. Putting on the best match of the evening, in my opinion. But not delivering on the side of victory. It is what it is. Hopefully... That's due to change real soon. Hopefully we get this Johnny Takeover redemption against Tommaso Ciampa. But who knows what's uh, what's down the road for this rivalry to really reignite. Aleister Black rumored for a main roster call-up. If you want to check out the Twitter at podcast underscore UF, you, uh, you kind of see my thoughts in a quoted tweet. I'm, uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. It was a psychological and physical warfare and delivered on both sides. And you could also say that same statement for the NXT Championship matchup we had between the DREAM and the CHAMP, Tommaso Ciampa, defending that NXT title, Goldie, against the Velveteen Dream. Should I call him Velveteen Dream this review, or should I refer to him as Hollywood Dream? Because, once again, a great Hulk Hogan-inspired impression by Velveteen Dream. And uh, I'm not going to get into any political or recent uh, Hulk Hogan controversies, but the irony of a man of Velveteen Dream's ethnicity sporting such 
Hulk Hogan gear is a uh, it treads on the side of irony. I'm just I'm just gonna go ahead and leave it at that. Tommaso Ciampa though clutching onto Goldie. It's one moment versus an entire experience. Velveteen Dream teasing the chance for a Hulk Hogan boot to leg drop. Not successful the first time, but then provided a quality markout moment later on in this matchup. Great match. Psychological and physical war as expected and delivered. It's really, it's the summarizing statement for both members of the formerly mentioned DIYs matchups here. Johnny Gargano delivering, Tommaso Ciampa delivering, Velveteen Dream is something freaking special here, folks. If you haven't seen how good the Dream is, that's fine. But... I myself see the man as one of the most promising talents to walk through NXT in quite some time. You could mention his Patrick Clark days in Tough Enough and acknowledge the fact that he was the only one with real wrestling knowledge and real wrestling experience to becoming the number one experience. That's fine too. You could take it on both sides. If you're not impressed with him yet, just a friendly reminder that the guy's in his early 20s. He's 22. 22. That's amazing. The fact that you have such a knack and such a passion and such a hang for this business at that age. It's something to admire. It's something to respect. It's something if you're older than that like I am, it's something you look up to. The passion that he's displaying and the character work that is done on a week-to-week, performance-after-performance basis by the dream is admirable, and it's something a lot more people need to recognize and really hope for in the future generation of professional wrestlers. But enough about praising the Dream, an unsuccessful effort, unfortunately, Dream put to sleep by a series of strikes and the aggression of Tommaso Ciampa, and a devastating DDT, and the unique war game setup really biting against the Dream here, when that steel grate is in the middle of those two rings, it could really be a detriment whether the War Games match is yours or not. And unfortunately, the Dream learning that the hard way, and Tommaso Ciampa holding on to Goldie for another takeover. Tommaso Ciampa able to brag about in the past that the NXT Championship was finally main eventing takeovers again, but it's not the case when we have the huge War Games matchup but I always like when it's a breaking point. The NXT Championship, still a high point on the card. It's very hard to have a low point on an NXT TakeOver card, and TakeOver War Games 2 delivering as one of the best and most promising shows of the entire year, despite having a, let's call it four and a third, four and a quarter, maybe even four and an eighth. I don't know really how you'd take apart and fraction that Cassius Ono and Matt Riddle match. We're not giving it a solid five over here on, on this side of the mic. I'm just not. But four match card, really able to deliver despite not having the full five capacity match that we are used to coming out of TakeOver events. Let's talk war games though. It's Team War Raiders, if we want to call it that. Hanson, Rowe, Ricochet, the North American champion, and Pete Dunne, the United Kingdom champion, taking on the undisputed era, Adam Cole, baby, 
Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and a man who had experience against the Undisputed Era last year at War Games, Roderick Strong. Advantage in this one would go to Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era would have back and forth entries first and always the numbers game and a little bit of more advantage than anticipated in this one in uh, what could be considered a pretty confusing angle if you look at this any other way besides the character fiction and kayfabe of professional wrestling. Utter chaos from bell to bell. The match doesn't even formally begin in war games until all men are legal, but it was chaos and just what a spectacle to see. I know when a match is good when I don't really have any notes on it and I'm just expected to sit here and shoot from the hip. Great match. I'm so happy War Games is here. WCW fanboy, my early years of life, bringing such a unique and just a concept that for some reason WWE main shows are not willing to use and just pouring it over to the cup that is NXT. That's fine by me because it just makes takeovers all the more must see and it really, really is something to see that giant cage and not just one, but two rings in use. The stunts that can be pulled with two rings, you have a man like Ricochet in a match, you have just the absolute the standoff from all four guys facing off with each other. Just these bone-chilling and moments as a fan that you really, really have to sit down and just black everything else out and really absorb yourself in. That's when you know a match type is special. That's when you know a rivalry is really breaking off and having an impact on you. And that's exactly what I feel the Undisputed Era versus this War Raiders Dunn and Ricochet alliance has done. So, chaos, bell the bell. Not even bell the bell. Even before the bell rings, when you have these handicap matches scenarios, and you have the Undisputed Era with their undeniable dude crew chemistry being partners and a stable for such a long time. You have bodies flying all over the place. You have war raiders, Hanson and Rowe, moving like men who are half their size. You have the unpredictable yet genius side of Bobby Fish. And also, very smart marketing side of things. Undisputed Era Steel Chairs. Bring them out on WWEshop.com. But let's talk about that foolish little moment. And Pete Dunne would be the last man to enter this matchup. Bobby Fish deciding to use not just one, but two locks. And throwing the key out into the audience. And the... I'm not sure if it's because the referees are only getting paid when they're actually physically moving... Or it's just something that managed to slip their mind for five, no, three minutes. I'm sorry, it would have been three minutes between Bobby Fish and Pete Dunne becoming legal in this matchup. Why did nobody search for a pair of bolt cutters sooner? Why was the Bruiserweight just sitting there obstructed from entering the match for as long as he was? These are the moments you really have to suspend your disbelief and remember that you are watching professional wrestling. Bobby Fish introducing weapons into the match. Pete Dunne introducing a chain. Kyle O'Reilly making use of that chain. Really, really good stuff. Submission heavy match. Hardcore match. It's really It was a perfect storm of things you wanted in a pro wrestling match. 
And if you're a fan of Ricochet's antics, and if you're not, what the heck are you watching for? The dive off that cage and the rotations that followed. I've already used this word ad nauseum this episode, but a spectacle to see. There really is nobody who does it like the one and only right now in NXT. But this North American and United Kingdom championship rivalry would be brought to new heights. Pete Dunne and Ricochet managing to work together and seal the victory for their team. Definitely unexpected based on how they were interacting. Just that following week when Kyle O'Reilly took on Hanson to gain the initial advantage in this match. You really didn't think these guys could hold it together. But they managed to. The enemy of my enemy is my companion. And common enemies bring strange friendships. And that's exactly what happened in the case of Pete Dunne and Ricochet. Although I don't see that being over either. I do anticipate another rematch in a champion versus champion scenario. But all in all, TakeOver War Games delivering on the special front that we all anticipated it to be. Um, I did not get to do a review from as cool of a place like Threshold Studios like I got the chance to last time. But hey, I got to sit here and I got to talk about it. I finally found some time in my crazy commuting schedule to sit here and talk to you guys about the brilliance that is NXT TakeOver. Great TakeOver. Hope you enjoyed that pretty solid review and succinct review. I got a lot more things to cover. I want to spend a lot more time on the more recent developments in NXT. Kind of like this one. Candice LeRae versus Nikki Cross. LeRae looking to make Nikki Cross pay. Candice knows Nikki's involvement. She knows how long she held this over not just us as NXT fans, but Candice as this unknowing, presumably unaware spouse. She held this from Candice, a major secret. Or not. Maybe Candice is upset that Nikki Cross knew this side of her husband and was going to out him to Aleister Black. Maybe this is all payback for this Gargano conspiracy against the former NXT champion. We don't know much from Candice. She was very silent, killer type, walking into the Performance Center this past week. I'm not even going to get a chance to brush over that. Uh, Lorray looking to make Cross pay. I'm repeating my rhymes here, folks. It's way more than just a game. It was some really harsh development in this Johnny Gargano family. They're angry. But, despite all the aggression and this new and interesting side of Candice, very similar to the symbiote that possesses Johnny Gargano, it takes a brief second for a purge to begin and a top rope purge spinning neckbreaker for Nikki Cross would seal victory. Now, I'm hoping that Candice LeRae takes this new aggression and introduces it to the rest of the NXT women's locker room. I'm hoping that the Organ- the Garganos can stay aggressive. The Arganos, the aggressive Garganos, I-, I don't know. Maybe something to roll with. 
If you like it, tweet at me. Hashtag Arganos. Anyway, what's going to happen next? We have some fallout from NXT TakeOver War Games, but we don't have much developing yet. We see a, we see this period from TakeOver to TakeOver. Lots of new stories are going to be introduced in a matter of time, but let's get to some undercard developing rivalries that maybe not a lot of us anticipated. Past week episode of NXT television was brought to us from San Diego State University, not quite making its way back to full sale yet, and also Vic Joseph and Nigel McGuinness providing the commentary this week, Morrow and Percy, as I'm told, being on assignment. And it would all begin with the one-two punch of Danny Burch and Oni Larkin taking on the mighty, formerly known as TM61, in Shane Thorne and Nick Miller. Hard-hitting tag team affair here, folks. Angry Australians versus the bald bruisers. Really, really good to see if you like a really hard-hitting strike-based affair. One-two punch firing on eight cylinders here, guys. Really, really picking up the pace. Nobody does a dive quite like Oni Larkin. It's like it's like heaving a shot put, I, I feel like, whenever that guy dives over the top rope. It's like he looks so light, but he lands so heavy. And I'm not sure how he's not busting himself up each and every time he attempts it. But, unfortunately, the Mighty is on a new sort of warpath. They are stopping everything through any means necessary. They've taken on this side, they've taken on this side of win at all costs. And yeah, it's kind of the competitive edge you should have. It's kind of the edge that the mighty might need right now. But I really feel, I don't know, it, it's the wrong team to try and take it against. You you really don't want to hold a grudge with a couple of guys who are as angry and angsty and who can hit you from as many angles as Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch can. Danny Birch, a veteran, in his own right, able to move on a hot tag. Also like the unique tags by 1-2, the... Uh, the one finger to two finger, not just the taunt, but also uh, also showing the tag team chemistry there. Also, a little bit of a little bit of an Easter egg in that matchup. I'm not sure how many of you caught it. I'm hoping most of you caught that. Really unique stuff, and uh, just just a nice little nice little thing to notice. The tag team chemistry of Oni Larkin and Danny Birch is still in tip top condition. The forcing, commun- forcing miscommunications was a really heavy theme in this matchup. The Mighty was able to turn it around on Oni Larkin and Danny Birch through such means, but the finish of things would find that turning the tables on the Mighty would lead to a roll-up by Oni Larkin, 1-2 punch, sealing the 1-2-3, but it would be a Mighty mugging at the end of this match, and that's why I really anticipate another undercard tag team rivalry that means something, this time in the form of Danny Burch and Oni Larkin having quite a series of matches with Nick Miller and Shane Thorne. We saw what the Mighty can do up against the Street Profits. I thought that was really fun to watch outside of the tag team title picture. We know that Danny Burch and Oni Larkin can deliver in matches. Really similar styles across the board, being a strike-heavy tag team versus a strike-heavy tag team, as well as their technical wrestling ability. I anticipate a really good series of matches out of both of these teams. I really like doing something special for episodes that end in 5-0 and zero here, guys. And lots of NXT to talk about. Kind of a 
this hiatus kind of ended up doing me a little bit more bad than good, but uh, at least at first anticipated. Now I'm giving you guys a whole lot of content, hopefully to get you guys through your walk to class or drive or public transit commute, however you're listening to me, through whatever means you're listening to me, where you're listening to me. That much doesn't matter. I'm just taking this time period in the show to thank you for listening to me, no matter how you can. Now, I drift into the NX3 portion of our show, EC3, taking on Marcel Barthel. And I mentioned the Undisputed Era quite a bit this episode. EC3 has his own history with the UE. Bobby Fish taking a steel chair to EC3's knee just a matter of a month or so ago, although now is December 1st I'm recording this episode, so maybe it's five weeks or a little bit over a month anyway. EC3 looking to bounce back in a match with the impeccable German Marcel Bartel. Marcel Bartel gives me he gives me older first glance William Regal sort of smugness vibes to it. And I think I think the world of pro wrestling, especially in the world of WWE, could always use a smug European character. Marcel's able to deliver in the ring as well. Uh, I enjoyed it. He gave me Berlin sort of vibes also. Some of you may know him as Alex Wright. For those of you, once again, WCW referenced, being brought up here. Really talented German. Nigel loves his theme song. Uh, but, once again, Marcel is the smaller opponent in his matches. We've seen him go up against Cassius Ono, and now we see him go against the crazy build of E. C. 3. The German was up against a big challenge, able to get that USA heat, able to deliver angry and aggressive offense, but it just wasn't enough. EC3 looking to make a mark and turn this into NX3 delivers again. EC3 through through charismatic ability and strength, the time off, not slowing the ego or in-ring ability at all, EC3 able to hit that 1% TKO neckbreaker for a victory. Now, I'm hoping EC3 can be the next sort of cog in the machine of stopping the Undisputed Era. We know the War Raiders post-takeover are still having their eyes set and want to pillage for their own Viking means those NXT Tag Team titles. EC3 took the time to call out Bobby Fish. Not Adam Cole. Bobby Fish. Not Adam Cole. The man who he has a singles victory on. on. Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish is getting a singles rivalry out of all this. I'm guessing Undisputed Era is still rolling with the combination of Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly to defend those tag team titles. But that's that's probably the most surprising development for me here, guys. I saw Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly come together as the Red Dragon and their tag team title success of the past. Bobby getting his own singles rivalry here in NXT, a little bit surprising, but definitely welcome in my book. Bobby Fish, very vocal on the outside, has his own form of charisma. His beard game is very strong. I love the steel chairs he brought out. I am definitely open to the opportunities that he can get in singles matchups if 
Some of you NXT longtime viewers might remember he was one of the Aleister Black debuting singles matches. Well, not not debuting per se, but uh, one of the early victories when Aleister Black was still undefeated in singles action on NXT TV. Anyway, moving on. Moving on from NX3, I talked to you about the unresponsiveness and sort of just cold demeanor that Candice LeRae seems to have, and uh, hopefully we're getting some future developments on not just her, but the condition of Johnny Gargano's head and jaw in uh, in the near future as well. Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, and Kai Rai, no, Kyrie Sane wants all three. They want them. I, br- I briefly brushed on this before. Dakota, Io, Kyrie versus Jessamine, Marina, and Shayna. Don't know where. Don't know when. But it's due. I really do. I think it's due. Staying on women's action, though, let's talk the vision. Vanessa Bourne taking on the Blasian baddie known as Mia Yim. Mia Yim, a hometown hero. In California, San Diego State University, she is from Fontana, so sort of a local town here to be displayed. And Vanessa Bourne, I gotta say, she was cocky and she was controlling for a real big bundle of this matchup. She really seems to be getting the in-ring and trash-talking aspects, and Vanessa Bourne is really piecing together as a promising talent in this developing NXT women's division. Because we have to sort of anticipate a round of call-ups coming soon, but I think the divisions across the board are going to be left in good hands, and when you don't, what you don't see now, I really feel like we're going to see in the coming months and batches of tapings. And Vanessa Bourne is definitely a talent to keep your eye out on. However, Mia Yim... With creative counters and a bit of a tarantula hold in this matchup. Also, shout out to her uh, Taekwondo martial arts backgrounds. Uh, my own personal style really takes its roots from Taekwondo. So, uh, really big shout out to Mia Yim's combat style. The martial arts experience would give Yim the advantage. And she would deliver soul food. But Nigel McGuinness would use my other favorite pun for her finisher. Which is Eat Defeat. Winner, Mia Yim. Mia Yim able to bounce back after that unfortunate loss, but continuation of the undefeated streak of Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, also a talent I'm pretty surprised I don't have much more to say about in this takeover and post-takeover series of NXT television worth of, uh, of what has aired so far, but I'm really hoping we hear from the EST sooner rather than later. Hopefully able to step up and take on Shayna for that NXT Women's Championship. I don't know what the potential of future combatants are. We don't know if Kairi Sane is fully done with Shayna. We know that Kairi Sane is suffering from an unfortunate hand, foot, and mouth disease. And uh, it's it's no good. If it, It's really bad. It could put you out of commission. Unfortunately, way too common in professional athletes, especially most recently. I know Noah Syndergaard of the New York Mets had to suffer with it uh, through a piece of the season. So hopefully Kyrie's able to recover very soon. Hopefully we see more women stepping up to Shayna Baszler 
in the near future. But drifting away from women's action, let's talk about Champa. Champa and Goldie still together. His previous prophecies are coming true, and he once again waits for worthy competition. And I'll said it before, I'll say it again. I love the grittiness and the rawness of these backstage selfie-influenced personal interviews, let's call them, that Tommaso Ciampa has. It's just him and the title. No distractions, no interviewer, no outside cameraman. It's just him and his own recording device. I love it. Don't know how much more I want to see of it with him as champion, but that's just personal opinion. I really, really like the setup. Love the grittiness. Really shows off what a badass Tommaso Ciampa is. Could kind of go off that hobo feature as well, depending on the scenario he's in and that long, scraggly beard. But that's just a personal cheap shot of mine in this unbiased NXT podcast. Anyway, Tommaso Ciampa and Goldie still together. Who do you think steps up next as his number one contender? But the match I want to talk about, highly anticipated in my book, just a big man slugfest. I'm talking Limitless versus Leviathan. It's Keith Lee versus Lars Sullivan. This is... I've always anticipated Lars in some pretty big man slugfests, probably mostly because I'm more of a fan of his opponent. And it rings true when I was pushing for that Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan match for such a long time, and it rings true in the case of Keith Lee. Very impressed with the former lineman. He is another big man who has no business moving the way he does, and this was just two behemoths clashing at full strength, and full power. Lars able to control Keith, but grit and determination and motivation is always his modus operandi. Keith able to push through, able to deliver, once again, unexpected agility over the top rope tope cone hero onto the outside, onto Lars, just a hoss fight strike fest with an aerial display It's a match that, if you like two colliding, let me put it in Vince McMahon terms. If you like two big sweaty men slugging out each other, then uh, maybe phrasing there, uh, if you want to call me out on an Archer reference. Just really slugging it out, really duking it, mano y mano, then definitely go back and watch this match if you haven't already. But, the aerial display... Keith Lee would push himself just a little bit too far. A missed moonsault, which was a awe to witness to begin with, would unfortunately cost Keith Lee the matchup in this one and cause a freak accident. 1-2-3, Lars Sullivan continues his path of destruction. What could stop Lars Sullivan? Well, if you're paying attention, a message board can, and a main roster call-up. Presumably, Lars is ending up on SmackDown. Based on how I've seen it marketed, based on how I've seen the coming soon attractions of Lars, that's what I've seen. I see Lars going to SmackDown. I see these controversial 
and just outright stupid comments really having the potential to cost Lars Sullivan or at least delay his inevitable push for quite some time because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna repeat any of that disgusting language or just outright outrageous points that he was trying to make. I mean, big believer in the First Amendment. If I wasn't, I wouldn't be sitting here with a microphone trying to deliver my own freaking wrestling opinions on a nearly weekly basis. But there's just, dude, get with it. I don't care how long ago this was. It's it's they weren't opinions any man of any sort of rationale and social conscious should have had. Not going to get in, into any specifics. I hated him. I don't know what it's going to do for his inevitable call-up, but just a couple things can stop Lars Sullivan, but I don't think it's any competitor in the NXT locker room. My money would have been on Keith Lee, and I just discussed how that all played out. I discussed how a lot of things on NXT television have played out, and we're going strong for 45-plus minutes. I like to keep it concise. I like to keep it brief. So that's going to wrap things up for episode 75 of the Undisputed Future podcast. CD Danny Mac, I'm here. You're there. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to keep up with me on social media. At podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. It's where you're going to find most of my interactions. It's where you're going to find a lot of my wrestling-based opinions. It's where you're going to find me live-tweeting Raw, SmackDown, spoiler-free, NXT. I don't read the taping spoilers either, but if you want to discuss any topics along those lines with me, just give me a heads up on a DM first, and uh, I'm more than willing to participate in anything professional wrestling related, and the Twitter is definitely best place to find me. Shout out to all of my followers who are paying attention and giving me a listen this weekend. At podcast underscore UF. At Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word is the Instagram. You'll find wrestling memes and pictures of Colin, the Velveteen dog, up there. Find me on Facebook. Give the page a like. Trying to keep everything updated on there. And if you've listened to me before, you know it's not the first time I'm saying that either. Give me a listen on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, where my RSS feed is and where I'll be posting most of my sharing links. CastBox.fm, I'm on a couple of the Alexa Audible applications. However you're listening to me, it's just important and really means a lot to me that you are. Thank you so much. Episode 75, I'll see you next time, hopefully sooner rather than later, really trying to get my podcast and work schedule lined up in a pretty successful and accommodating way. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for your time. Have an excellent weekend. And remember, we are NXT. 